title of the Dharma talk this morning is Don't Look Away. It's a way of talking about and working with one of the three poisons, which is ignorance. We have the passion of grasping, meddling with something, analyzing, fooling around with that, whatever that is, changing it, blaming, blaming this, blaming that, blaming something, passion. And then we have aggression, uh, going to war with fighting, accusing, threatening, destroying, and so on, and all the other uh, variations that could happen there. And then the other one is ignorance, which is uh, uh, very simply could just look like this. It could be using something else to distract yourself from something that's uncomfortable to look at, something that's threatening to look at, something that's confusing to look at, something that could be in your environment. It could be something that's coming up in your consciousness. I would say don't avoid anything. And with that, also don't grasp it, accept it, don't throw it away, reject it, don't go to war with anything. Lots of ways of working with that, but it's kind of a triangle. And if you're if you're if you don't see one of them, probably not going to see the see the other two because they they uh, they kind of cooperate there. So don't don't look away when something occurs. If you want to do something to it, then receive it. And that doesn't involve too much effort, particularly. If we're not practicing that on, a, on the cushion regularly, if we're not sitting down and doing what? Watching the way we distract ourselves. Actually, witnessing the way we switch gears, the way we go away from the very thing that is presenting itself. If it comes up in your consciousness, uh, it is, and, it, and it is difficult or challenging or... Or full of fear, it's it's a Dharma gate for you, probably. Which means if it's a Dharma gate and you're a practitioner and you're on this path and you're endeavoring to proceed on this path, understand the teachings of this path, make them your own, then whatever comes up is a Dharma gate. And you don't have to go through a Dharma gate. You just have to look at the door. Going through it, that's sneaky. On the other hand, and on the same hand, you might find the door swinging open. You might find yourself pounding on the door. You might find yourself having to pick the damn lock. It could, it could turn up so many different ways for each person. So there's a hesitancy to set up some kind of standard. This is why it says uh, in the, uh, what, what is it, which sutra is it? Don't set up standards. It's in Sandokai. Is that correct? Yeah. You should know. Don't set up standards. Don't make rules. This doesn't mean don't have guidelines or don't have ways of doing things, but uh, be very careful of setting up a standard which you're, which causes you, well, I've got a standard, so now I can just disregard that whole situation because anytime it comes up, I can just look at the standard. This is called a very sophisticated form of ignorance. It's not that we don't need forms. It's not that we don't need guidelines and structures. It just means that they're, uh, they aren't always going to work as a as something to just abide by. There are going to be times when those things move around. Now, society that we live in, it, uh, because most people are like children, uh, and the people who uh, think they're not children and think they're adults, they set up rules for the rest of the people and have guidelines whereby you can't do this because of this law, you can't do this because of this law. So we, we work with laws. 
We're a nation of laws. How many times have you ever heard that? Oh, hum. It's just, it's just the truth. We, we, we're not in a position. We're not sophisticated men in a descriptive way, not in an in a interpretive way so much as we're not clear enough to be able to operate out of don't set up standards. Uh, that, that teaching is for people who are training their mind and are endeavoring to see the fundamental truth for themselves. What is that fundamental truth? If you're here, you're probably uh, studying Buddhism, or at least endeavoring to do that, whether you're officially a Buddhist, having received vows or something like that. Not that important. But if you're here, you're going, you're, you want to work with this in, the, in a way that is the way in which the Buddha taught. And what did he say? Everything is dependently arisen. Reflect on that. Contemplate that. You can't find a separate thing anywhere. Separated, yes. But nothing is really separate. And when we try to control that situation so that we keep away the things we don't like and get the things we do like, uh, it can be a very sophisticated form of materialism, spiritual, scientific, cultural, or otherwise. Getting what we want. Getting what we think is appropriate. Uh, quite often these days, well, when there's so much... Uh, YouTube and everything else going on, you can hear there are people yelling stuff from all quarters. Some people are really, really intelligent, and they're still completely without uh, the proverbial clue about that they're not a separate being. Don't look away. Don't evaluate anything. You don't need opinions. And if an opinion just shows up that about something, and it's based on causes and conditions, then that opinion is probably not exactly an opinion. It's just part of the whole matrix of apparent separation. You, you know yourself if you have an opinion about something where you're using that to keep yourself from investigating something that's irritating to you or you don't like. It could be just about another person. I don't like that person. I don't like the way they act. I don't like the way they think they're so great or, or the way they... Um, manipulate others. I mean, just on and on and on. You can find people that fall in all those categories. So when I say don't look away, I'm not saying uh, don't have an opinion in the sense of stop the opinion. I'm saying be aware. Don't be don't look away from the way in which your opinions show up. Nothing lasts. If you try to get rid of something, it will last. If you try to accept something, it will last. If you try to kill something or destroy it, it's going to persist because it's dependently arisen and everything, everything that is apparently separate responds to anything else that is trying to be separate, that is trying to control. It's like the analogy I sometimes, or a metaphor I sometimes use uh, when, I, when I'm trying to talk about control. You really don't have any control. You get a little bit of control, but compared to all the things you don't have control of, uh, you got a little bit of control. And even that's uh, undependable. Don't depend on anything. As I've sometimes said, the metaphor I was thinking of is, if you want control, if I could wave a wand, here I have a wand right here, I'll use this end so it really won't happen. This is a magic end. You now have control of all of your bodily functions. Okay, start digesting your food and start send just the right amount of acid. And send, uh, control your blood sugar, control your, you don't go on and on and on. I'm not a, a physical therapist. Maybe you could tell me all the things that it's possible to look at and wish you could control. But we can't. If we were put in charge of it, 
And you could come back and we could have some kind of debate. Or you could say, well, I need training. I would need to be trained. Okay, I, I lost. Not a good metaphor. It's, a, it's an idea, it's a suggestion, uh, excuse me, it's a suggestion that you could uh, see the way in which you distract yourself. As you, you can do it easily, uh, easy, easily if you're sitting very still and endeavoring to just observe what is arising in the, in the mind or what is in arising in any of the six sense fields, including the mind, and what is moving this way, moving that way. Meditation, holding very still, watching what moves, don't meddle with it even though you would like to stop thinking that particular thing, or you would like to think more of this other thing, do nothing with it. It comes, it comes, it goes, it goes, goes back and forth. It has kind of a, of a rhythm to it. So again, the way we train ourselves is to, in any of these practices, is to see the way in which we're functioning in a certain way, see in the way in which we cover things up, see, in, see the way in which we fuel certain aspects of our self-centeredness. Just watch, just observe it. If you go in too soon and try to correct it, it's like uh, trying to adjust a, uh, um, the way of cooking something based on a recipe, trying to do that without actually tasting the food, trying to structure this or maybe start a whole new recipe altogether. In other words, working on the formula part of it. I'm not a cook, so maybe that's not a good example. But it's the idea of you need to actually be into the situation and see how the way in which you're confused. Ego does not want to see that. Ego starts seeing that and it either gets afraid because it can see that, you know, you're about to be exposed for the, for the, uh, the, uh, um, imposter that you are, that you're really somebody. It causes fear. So we don't really want to see that. So the path is about encouraging you, using the teaching of the Buddha, using dependent origination, using uh, life of suffering that causes desire or lust. The goal is cessation, and the path is um, discipline, meditation, wisdom, shila samadhi and prajna. Using a very simple structure, provisional teachings, to help you begin to transcend that whole relative situation here in, in this this lifetime, right now. Do it right now. Questions? You say don't look away. How do you don't look away if you don't even know you're looking away to not do it? You're probably screwed. <laughs> <laughs> paraphrase your question, and then I'll paraphrase my answer. If the poison is ignorance and you don't even know you're ignoring, how can you become aware of ignorance when the nature of ignorance is not aware? Watch what moves. And if you watch what moves, you'll see the grasping. That's kind of obvious, but it takes a while. Uh, watch, the, watch the grasping, watch the rejection. Passion and aggression, very simply put. And there's all kinds of variables in there that are aggressive and all kinds of variables that are passionate and all kinds of variables that are ignoring. You need to watch, and what you won't see is it's a way of shutting down. It's a way of turning away. It can be this much. We've all been having a conversation with someone, and you, you're looking at them. They're talking to you. You're endeavoring to listen to them. And you're talking to them, and they don't even have to look away. Just looking in their eyes, you can see that they're, they're no longer here. They, they've 
turned away in their mind. And, and maybe what, the way they've done that is to distract themselves in, into a thought. I often say to people, I'm saying to you, if you're having a conversation with someone, before you respond to what they're saying, wait for the period. Wait for the period. When someone's saying something, wait for them to stop talking before you assume you know what they're saying or you need to start. I get interrupted all the time. I occasionally interrupt people. But that's my job. I get paid a lot of money for that. When we go there. Just observe. And in a conversation with your friend, your enemy, your mother, your father, children, your co-workers, your boss, your employees, or whatever that may be, anytime someone's talking to you, don't interrupt them. Allow that whole situation to, maybe even to the point where they say, well, if it was a question, or do you understand what I'm saying? And you might say, not really. <laughs> Could you paraphrase yourself? <laughs> so by, by observing what's coming and going, by practicing on the cushion, it may not happen on the cushion. It may be just a, a difficult. It may be boring. It may be any number of things. Uh, as I've used an example of a knife blade, a, a knife blade doesn't really know it's being sharpened. It just knows that something rough is going on. Yes? I'm looking at you. Um, no, I'm looking away. <laughs> Is it easier to ask a question if I look away? Have some of you noticed that when you ask me a question, that sometimes I immediately start looking at everyone else? Why does he do that? <laughs> What's that about? What's up with that? What? Well, now that's my question. What's up with that? Why do you do that? I ask you if you noticed that. Do you notice that? Yes. I didn't notice that I did that. You should point it out next time I do that. I don't know. There's no, there's, no, there's no strategy behind it. I like people, so I'm listening to you, but I'm looking at other people too to see, how, to see if they're listening to you. It's easier for me to teach if I don't look away from anything. Isn't that the title of the talk? How do you do that? Don't look away from anything. And how do you do that? Don't focus on anything, including your suffering, your pain, your difficulty, your stress. Don't don't go down there and try to work on that and get that to stop. Or find out who caused that so you can clip off their earrings. Go ahead. So how, um, how, how do you tell the difference between looking away and the natural end of a, of a thought when you're practicing? I, I think that's the, the very last word you said, practice. It's practice. There's not going to be a particular gradation of, I think I'm getting better there. I think I'm getting better. I think I'm getting better at that. Probably not, probably not going to get that kind of a credential or that kind of a, of a, um, a marker. It won't feel like particularly like progress. Spiritual path doesn't feel like progress. That's the mundane path that where you get somewhere. You get a credential and you get ahead and you make money. People like you. Further, further about that question, it's a good question. Go deeper into the question. If um, looking away is sort of a habit, it's difficult. How do you know it's a habit? How do you know? For me personally, yeah. it's because I think I was missing something. Mm -hmm. away. Are you missing something? Tell me no. <laughs> You're not missing anything. There isn't anything else. 
But to think you're missing something is a very subtle way of turning away from what was in front of you. And interpreting or adding has a little bit of uh, uh, aggression, slight bit of aggression against who you are or who you think you are, and a little bit of passion or wanting to have control of it. You're the person who is not getting it. And then a little bit of turning away, which is where you don't see that what is in front of you is a Dharma gate. More? You get to have all three of them. Is it just a matter of watching that? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be uh, a matter of just continuing continuing to sit down, hold still, and return to that. And also watch uh, in your act every day, what, what do you call it, post-meditation. Just, just observe what's in front of you. If it's a spoon, if it's macaroni and cheese, then don't take more than you share. I mean, do, just do what you're doing. Look at the colors, the shapes, the textures. Uh, don't add on to it, I'm being so mindful. Don't try to be mindful, please. That's, that's, a, that's a huge way station. It's like a rest area for ego. Ah, very mindful. I know when I'm reaching for this day. I know where I'm reaching for the coffee. That's not mindfulness. That's, um, I call that, narcissism. <laughs> the one who is aware. That's why I don't teach... Uh, Mindfulness meditation creates too strong of an identity of the meditator who's accomplishing stuff. It doesn't take anything away from people who teach that way. Some people maybe want to teach that way. They should. And they're probably going to have a lot of students. More? Caroline? Uh, could you please say more about how endeavoring to go through Dhammagi might be sneaky? Yeah, because we're, we're have, we're, what we have is we'll have a little backpack of, of uh, strategies. And so we, we, f- we feel it's a Dharma gate instead of just look at the Dharma gate. Just look, looking at a Dharma gate, it can be very painful and scary and, and any other emotion that's difficult. But if you try to go through it, you might find you're actually not going through it. You're actually covering it up. You're actually going through your idea of the Dharma gate. The actual Dharma gate will will open. Just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a way of talking about it. Yeah. It doesn't really open by itself. Nothing is by itself. Everything is dependently risen. At some point, I will have to go through. Yes, you're actually in one right now. This is a Dharma gate. So if this is uncomfortable, then good. <laughs> he snickered. Um, Max. Max, that's right, Max. Is that with an X? Two yes, X's? Two X's? X's? Uh, that'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you want <to> <laughs> yeah. Yes, Max. Um, yeah, you, I was interested in what might the difference be between standards and discipline. Uh, and I, the, the background for that question is just uh, forms. Because mm-hmm. uh, I can't help but feel that there uh, could be standards, perhaps. Yeah, they could be standards, but uh, but the one who is practicing the forms needs to observe the way they can't quite do it. That's practice. If you come in here and you you are the don or the, the doshi, or you're doing the han and bell or any other form of here, you'll notice, especially if you do it hundreds of times, that you it's always a little different. It's not exactly that way, or it's not exactly the way you you were taught, or it's not something is missing. Something's always kind of missing there. You're not really present. The forms were good, but then you were in Utah, or you know. So, but there's more more to that question. If you want to help, yeah. 
that you know I, I I have the discipline to try to sit every morning and every evening, um, but there's I guess a, is is there a risk of that becoming a standard and becoming empty? I guess it's just what I had in mind. So yeah. I guess that that risk of turning practice into a standard. There's no risk. Oh yeah, awareness awareness is everything. Not not what shows up in awareness. Again, awareness is like space. It's not space, but it's like space. And what shows up in it is like stuff, phenomena, clouds, thoughts, emotions, feelings, stories, memories, comes up and goes away. Nothing lasts. Anything that shows up is leaving. <laughs> so the form of the structure is like, uh, it's like creating some kind of a, a strong metaphor here, but it's like creating a backbone so that your awareness has something to... to show up around so we hold hold holding the form if you're really holding the form you can feel how completely mutable it is even though you're coming up when i come up to this altar every time i come up here it's like i've never been here before although i know if things are out of place i adjust them and it's not that i'm not really like correcting things uh, on one hand on the other hand i am i'm moving things into the structure that or the form that i think is appropriate Someone out here might think they're being corrected, and they, that's up to them. So every time you sit, and the more every time you sit, uh, as Suzuki Roshi said back in the 60s, beginner's mind. It's like you've never sat before. Sit down, hold still, watch what you've never seen before. More? Yeah, would that have to do with, uh, in the, what was read this morning from the meditation primer, the, the idea of contrast, that the, the forms allow you to see contrast more yes. easily? Exactly, yeah, that's good. Who wrote that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, contrast is a way of seeing difference that we're all addicted to without really knowing, you know, the contrast is there, but not really buying into the goodness of one side as opposed to the badness of the other, right and wrong. Tend to take a somewhat of a backseat to that, to use another metaphor, to just seeing the contrast. Eventually, your mind, if you practice this way enough, eventually you'll, there'll be nothing but contrast. Uh, it'll just, things will show up and go away, and you'll have no idea what they are, who they belong to, or what to do about it. And you, you can actually function out of your wisdom mind. There's no one here. There's no solid being here. Uh, functioning out of your wisdom mind is, there's no, there's complete fearlessness, complete hopelessness. You can't have fearlessness without hopelessness. If you're full of hope, you're going to get scared at some point. Hope is extra. And don't misunderstand. I'm not saying I can't say I hope I hope Uno wins the lottery. <laughs> you play the lottery? No. Yeah. So it's hopeless. <laughs> is there a way to see certain themes that come up in the consciousness of brand new? Is what? Is there a way to say to see certain things that come up in the consciousness that appear to be themes as brand new? Yeah. They're always new. Everything is new. This is new. So I can't remember your name. <laughs> uh, Michael. <laughs> Actually, when I came in and sat uh, the other evening, I looked at you were sitting here facing wall. I didn't know who you were. I looked. I think it has something to do with your new do. Uh, I'm looking at things. Who's that guy? <laughs> and then 
you moved a little bit, and then I, I caught your Roman profile. <laughs> so, if you're if you're not adding any, anything that arises, if you're if you're not in the pro, a process of adding something to protect yourself, or taking something away to, to judge, or or if you're doing no math at all, then whatever shows up is completely unique. It's when we're adding and subtracting, and dividing that thing. That's when fixation happens. That's when it looks the same. All it looks bad all the time, or it looks good all the time, or this I want more of this, or I want less of this. It's it's a it's dependent origination. It's everywhere. It's happening constantly. There's no solid self. I, I used to talk, uh, haven't talked about it much lately, and I don't know why, but I talk about ego as being a discontinuous identity. There, there's an identity there, but it, it doesn't last very long unless you're trying to support it with an opinion, an idea, by saying, well, I've always felt that way. Um, what do you think about what I'm thinking? Well, I think you're making sense to me, Jim. Makes sense. Yeah, well, I thought so too, but you know, sometimes people don't agree with me. If something shows up that looks like it's shown up before, does that mean we're not looking closely enough at it? Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Say more. What else could it be? I don't know. What do you think? Is familiarity different from ignorance? Very good question. It's exactly the same. I like the ruffled brow. It's kind of like, what is that? You could say, how so, Sokazan? How Sokazan? <laughs> how Sokazan so? Reflect on it. How are they different? Because that's how they're the same. You lived in a, in a room that I even named specifically because of you and your particular way of working with your mind, we call it sandokai, the equality of sameness and difference. And I even painted that invisible ink on your ceiling one day when you weren't in there. Did you ever look at that? Did you see what I wrote on the ceiling? You didn't see it? You probably don't even live in there anymore. Who's in there now? Did you notice that? You probably go to sleep. But no, I didn't write anything. But I might now. <laughs> be a good thing to do. <laughs> Further questions? Do you have time? Yes, sir. Um, on Friday, Bruce mentioned about um, effortlessly resting in um, our own nature. And I'm wondering if just receiving is just receiving effortless. Yes, it is. But it might take some time, but you have to just... Because if you're picking and choosing, it's not going to be easy. You're going to be liking some stuff and not liking others. So this is why it's, if you can work with a contrast, that allows you, that's, a, that's an entry to it. At some point, even the contrast, or you're not sure which is black and which is white. And you're not concerned with it anymore because you actually see for yourself that nothing is separate from anything. You're not separate from the Buddhas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times. And the, ten, the Buddhas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times are not separate from anyone you meet. Everywhere you look, you see the Buddha. Every every sound you hear is are the words of the Buddha. And what is what is the what is the Buddha saying? Not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate. It's all over the place. More. When I am picking and choosing, how can I effortlessly just receive? Practice. Watch the way you keep shutting down on it. Watch the way you keep looking at something else. 
just just observing, just observing, just observing what rotates and changes. Uh, eventually, that which is observing and that which is being observed collapse. This is called subject-object collapse into perception only, which is a basic teaching of uh, Yogacara, teaching consciousness only. But you have to just persist. You have to persist at it. And that's what, why that's why we come in, sit down, face the wall, hold still, and we persist. And when we get up off from that, we reflect on that. We study together to use conceptual approaches to uh, help keep that move, moving, uh, kind of teaching moving even in the uh, conceptual area, as uh, Bruce does when he comes here on Fridays to teach, or when, like when Bill Waldron is here. More? When I'm just conceiving, how do I receive all the things I'm ignorant of? <clears throat> Again, I think it's just a matter of being persistent about it. So there's no, nothing lasts. So if you just hold still and you put all your senses on receive, then that's a start. Then you're receiving how this feels. You're not adding comments on it. You're receiving how thoughts, they, they come and they go. They move and they go this way and that way. They fly up and they hang around for a while and they go away. The same thing with everything else. Sounds, the sound of my voice is coming and then it goes. So I think it's just a matter of repetition, repetition. As, as Dogen said in the, in the 13th century, uh, a practice and an enlightenment are not two different things. They're, they're not identical, but they're not two different things. Practice, realization. So practice. That which realizes uh, is, that's why sometimes, my way of saying it is that if you, when you realize what this is, you are grandfathered in, or grandmothered in, or grand, anywhere, grand zebra'd in. You're, you realize it, and you realize you've, you've always known this. You've known it since the beginning of this time. Therefore, there's there, you're completely hopeless. There isn't anything. Why, why hope if you don't need anything else? What's, what's there to hope for? You're not separate from anything. And you're completely fearless because there's, there, there's no way that who you, when you find out who you are that that can be destroyed. But you have to see it first. If there's any kind of grasping at a self or grasping at another or rejection of another or rejection of a self, then we're, we're buying into the separation that the whole society and mundane path Spiritual, cultural, ethical, materialism, materialism, thinking this is right and this is wrong. We need this and we need to get rid of that. This is a uh, look at what Stalin did and to his people in the 1930s or what uh, Hitler did in the, to people thinking had some people, he had to preserve the Aryan race and they had to get rid of millions of people. Quite strange, but it's built on thinking some things are good and some things are bad. So we have to start as meditators, as practitioners of the Dharma. We have to start here. It's not going to help to take unexamined warfare that you're hiding out from somewhere out into the world and and try to join a movement. I'm not saying you couldn't do some of that, but I would keep it to a minimum if you're a meditator. The most uh, where all the energy needs to go is right on that cushion, or reading Dharma books, Buddha, Dharma Sangha, teacher, teaching, students. Work with those three jewels. They've been around for thousands of years. Is it time to stop? <laughs> Notice a yawn. <laughs> you're not bored. You're just tired, right? Is there <coughs> vulnerability left in the fearlessness? 
Is there what? Vulnerability left in fearlessness. Yeah, there's nothing but vulnerability. But there's no one there. So you, you have, it isn't like you stop having fear. It's not like you stop having hope. It's not like you stop having it. Everything is welcome. Everything comes in. You're no longer someone else who doesn't have this but has that. There isn't anything that you're not receiving or you're, that you're separate from anymore at all. So the vulnerability might show up uh, in a powerful way. It could be threatened, threatening in a sense, but there's no one. It's it's funny at the same time. It would be humorous because you know there is, there's nothing to be threatened. There, there isn't anyone. Even if you have very negative feelings, they don't occur to a person. Nothing is coming, as it's said in the, in the Tibet, especially in the Tibetan tradition, nothing comes from its own side as a self. There's no one doing that. Everything is dependently risen. Yes? Earlier you mentioned um, something feels like it's always missing. What is it that's missing? There isn't anything missing. You just think there is. You're all completely awake right now. Just stop doing the math. Stop adding, subtracting, dividing, do anything else. Just be genuine. Is that it? <laughs> you have more? You can ask a deeper question around that if you want to go there. It might show up uh, as challenging or or might show up as like not correct or incorrect or you might be giving yourself a hard time. It's not about not giving yourself a hard time. It's about seeing that. If you really see it, probably that energy is going to back off because you can see it's just a bunch of energy going into some kind of difficulty. Not necessary to proceed in that area. It comes out of the awareness. I teach out of, I don't know where I put it. I don't think this stuff up. I don't even know what to even call this talk until somebody asks me, what's the name of the Dharma talk? And sometimes I don't know what to talk about. <clears throat> Teaching is coming out of just a long time of studying this and practicing and some kind of understanding about it. So either what I'm saying... Uh, resonates with you on some level and makes some sense and feels like a support to your own awareness practice or it doesn't have people come here that I think should stay who have left. I have other people come here and stay who I think should leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Everybody should come. Everybody should become a monk. Everybody should live in a monastery, ideally. But that's not going to happen, so I relate to People where they're at. If you want to see Jukai, I'll help you. If, if you have any doubts about it, don't do it. Don't receive any vows. If you don't want to meditate, don't meditate. There's no there's no uh, propaganda going on here for meditation. Like I think I said last night or the other night, I was kind of shocked when I heard in 1973 or four or something like that once someone told me through the Dharma gossip grapevine. Um, you know, Rinpoche said, Rinpoche told somebody not to meditate anymore. I said, really? Don't meditate? Why did he tell him not to meditate? And I think they kind of interpreted this. I think they thought he needed a psychiatrist. <laughs> 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 so, you know, it's a little bit too, cra too crazy to sit down and, and practice. Yes? Uh, I was reading something this morning about, about not meditating. Um, and the quote was... Uh, be still, be quiet, do nothing. And I'm wondering about um, going back into effortlessness, how continuously putting effort into this practice leads to effortlessness. Mm -hmm. 
So the, the way I teach it, and you've been listening to me for a while, so you'll probably remember this or recognize, I say the effort is a getting into getting to the cushion. So that's why we need schedules and things to kind of put us put ourselves on the spot. Get, but once you sit down, then I teach it the same way you said, hold still, be quiet, hold still, and don't do anything. My, my way of saying watch what moves, which is a way of, of, of just saying, uh, keeping it very simple. Whatever's moving is okay. Watch it. If it's your, if your breath, watch your, watch your breath for the next three years if you want to. Some would call that shamatha. I don't call it shamatha unless you have an instruction to do it. My instruction is watch what moves. And that way you get to, you get to work with your own shamatha vipassana orientation or, uh, or, uh, resting in tranquility and panoramic awareness as your karma, your causes and conditions bring that about rather than uh, artificially having to. That's why I don't have people do walking meditation. You're welcome to get up and do walking meditation anytime you want. But to interrupt somebody's sitting arbitrarily, not a good idea. It took several decades for me to realize that, of practicing and practicing and doing what I was told. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just not going to do it. To people that are uh, students of mine, <clears throat> it's it's uh, it's enough of an interruption just to have the the doan hit the bell at the end of two and a half hours. They probably should just walk out and let you end it. <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks, you're still there. <laughs> Ribs starting to show. <laughs> the questions. In the morning service, I believe it was said something to the effect of um, protecting us from dark forces. Mm-hmm. And you said nothing good, nothing bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do we? What do we need protection from? Or dark forces. Protection if there's no good and no bad. Dark forces. I didn't say good and bad. Dark forces. It's a contrast. There is no good and bad, but there's there's. The, the, the qualities of, of uh, consciousness sometimes sometimes gather in a way to be obstructive. There's no good or evil in any of us, or in anyone, anywhere. Even even terrible dictators, there's no evil there. There's just intense fear that they're covering up with their desire to control as much of anything as they can. They ignore that they're going to die. I mean, they, they, people know this intellectually. We hear in the comment, well, we all know we're going to die. You're going to have to die someday. Yeah. Die now, not not physically, but but understand it now. So the dark forces just we don't we're not going to ignore anything. We're going to relate with anything. I sometimes say, don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, and for heaven's sake, for God's sake, for Jesus Christ's sake, if you need that kind of help, uh, don't look away. How do we do that? Anything that shows up, relate to it. That doesn't mean believe it. Dark forces. I'm not talking about evil. If someone uses the word evil. I'm not going to disagree. I'll wait and see. Well, what do they? What do they mean by that word? It's a word. What do they mean by that? And if they start to get off into some kind of horrible uh, polarity, and I have permission from them, which I may or may not, then I might say something about that. That might be not too helpful to do that. So more about that. It's a good question. Um, would you say that not looking away is a form of protecting yourself from dark forces? Not being ignorant. Not being ignorant is a form of protection. Well, everything is a form of protection. If you use the word protection, something's getting protected. It's just a concept. It's an idea. So, probably. More about that? You're very intellectual. Not a problem. 
<laughs> professor of literature. Oh, what's your favorite writer? Oh, I don't know. Um, don't have one. Emily Dickinson. Oh, I like her. She's dead though. <laughs> <laughs> she was a pretty lonely writer, but wrote beautifully. Further question about that, Max? It's a good question. Uh, I could try. Uh, just, just the idea of, uh, it's always the, the struggle for me between what's, what is there that's bad? What are we doing this practice to try to accomplish and get away from? And I know you're going to say, we're not trying to get away from anything. You don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I could imagine an answer would be, we're not trying to get away from anything. Um, don't do that. Let me be the teacher. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I guess it comes down to why would you practice? To see the truth. And you could say, what is the truth? I can tell you conceptually, it's everything is dependently risen. That there's no, nothing is separate from anything else anywhere. There is no good and evil, fundamentally. There is just wisdom that has uh, been led astray, by, excuse me, by hope and fear. Hope for something else and fear that that won't come along. You're welcome. Further questions? Yes. Stefania from Chicago has a question. Okay. Uh, she asks, what does it mean to sit arbitrarily? Define arbitrarily. Somebody define it. Max, arbitrary. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, not, re not, not relative? Yeah. Not operating out of a particular protocol or yeah, just, not would you call it spontaneously? Or impulsively? What would you say? Uh, arbitrary, spontaneous to me it seems to have to do with time and timing, where okay. arbitrary could also be location as well. I'm just uh, arbitrary, yeah. Could do it in Kansas, could do it in Missouri, <laughs> Arkansas. Could sit under a bridge, could sit on top of a bridge. She defined it. <laughs> She's, that's your little friend, isn't it? Yeah. Go ahead, Stefania. Uh, her, her definition is on a whim. Oh, that's one of those little uh, anti-gravity machines. <laughs> <laughs> Whims. Yes, on a whim. Uh, it's, I think it's uh, uh, valuable to do that, but I think uh, sitting uh, on a schedule, um, some, kind of a, uh, some kind of a schedule seems to be necessary at first. When you first start practicing, it seems to be necessary because we... From the point of view of my understanding, anyway, of these teachings, we need to sit a lot more than it looks like we need to sit. Uh, you can sit for quite a while and start to feel more relaxed, more present, and all those other fancy words, more in the present moment. Uh, it can be said with a very low voice in the present moment, no longer at war with anyone. So I don't think I need to sit anymore. I think I can just sit more arbitrarily, just kind of when I feel moved to sit. Inspirational sitting. I'm inspired to sit. If you're going to cut into the raw and rugged edge of uh, passion, aggression, ignorance, and fundamentally cut it off at the past, or uh, in some way so that the emotional tsunami that is probably in your uh, future and everyone's future here, we all come into phases and patterns where something comes about, maybe March the 31st of uh, uh, 2028, something 
uncalled for can come rushing at you, just like weather, the actual weather, personal weather can start coming about. It'll be good to have a, a trained mind when that happens so that you, so you can receive that with a, a sense of equanimity. Maybe you have some trepidation or some difficulty around it, but, uh, it's the Tibetan tradition. This is a meditation is called your preparation for death. It's not meant to be negative. It's just saying at some point, the body mind, your temporary anchor, is going to go back into the elements, and uh, who you actually are is going to be, how would you say that, flapping in the breeze. <laughs> Further, more serious questions? Oh, that was a good question. Anything else, especially from someone who's not asked a question? Yes? In no self, in the realization of no self, is there still the apparent conflict? Yeah. And, and you could even say that the contrast could be even more intense because you're no longer adding a bunch of uh, interpretations to it. So it's the actual contrast rather than the imputed or imagined or, or uh, um, a contrast based on the three poisons. There's, there's the contrast that is just about dependent origination. Paratantra is the Sanskrit for that. What arises is dependent on everything else for its apparent expression, Size, shape, color, sound, all the things that, uh, it's just that when a human being arises, uh, is born, they start to assume some kind of singularity or identity where they can get ahead or fall behind or be better than others. It starts in about, I think nursery school is when it starts to get really, where the, some children rise to the top as the leaders <laughs> or the bullies, and some go to the bottom as the, person who stays off in the corner. So if you begin to see that there's no solid self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, as there's no solid being here, there's just form, there's just feeling, there's just concepts, there's just consciousness. They don't get together and form a me feeling. It doesn't mean they're not there. It doesn't mean you don't have feelings. It's just that there's no identity having the feeling. So therefore, it doesn't last. You get incredibly mad just because you're no longer concerned about how you show up, how you look to others, because you know others don't see you anyway, all they see is their projections of you. Have you noticed that? People just, they, no matter who you talk to, you can see that they're talking to their idea of you rather than who you actually are. Sometimes that shows up as uh, you go along with their idea of you rather than your own. You actually believe someone else's judgment or opinion, or else you're threatened by it. So you, you can't really uh, you can't really insult somebody unless they have uh, an assumption of separation of me. I'm me. You can't you can't dis, uh, disrespect me. <clears throat> More. I was going to ask, but you may have answered it already. If there's if that comes with more intensity, it could. There's no guarantees of anything. It could could become more intense. Uh, the, when when I say no separation. I'm not saying that uh, if you become realized that everything is going to be stuck together like, you know, like macaroni and cheese. Uh, what I am saying is that there, there's going to be some kind of a contrast going on, but it, and it could be even more extreme. You could see, you could see the actual divisions between things rather than the imputed ones or imagined ones. You would see dependent, dependent origination, which is what I said earlier. Everything is preaching the Dharma. Everything is saying, if you, if you have ears to hear that, it's saying, not separate. Thank you so much. 
I would like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that we have in the hallway. We've appreciated all your donations, your financial support for this year. We hope you continue on. Register for. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together.